Hi, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, July the 17th. On this week, we're going to talk about Governor Hutchinson finally issuing a mask mandate, Secretary of State invalidating some ballot measures, and a new class action lawsuit filed over the state and private contractors handling of Arkansas's pandemic unemployment assistance program. I'm joined as usual by Max Brantley. Afternoon. Afternoon. So uh, it finally happened. The governor, after weeks, months of resisting, issued a mask requirement for all of the state with some some crucial exceptions uh, that goes into effect on Monday. Well, I think he had to do something. Are you getting feedback on me? No, you sound good. Well, what I'm saying is echoing for some reason. Well, sorry. Uh, the rate of uh, new cases in the state keeps going up. We were designated one of 18 states as a hotspot by the White House Coronavirus Task Force for our number of daily new cases, and our positivity rate is rising, too, to a dangerous level. So something had to be done. Uh and so he finally issued a mandate. He clearly didn't want to do it. He's been resisting it for months. He said he didn't like, quote, government coercion, unquote, although government coerces us in a lot of ways. But one of the interesting things, several interesting things have happened. Number one, there have been several law enforcement officers that say they won't follow his order. Two, there are a number of unhappy legislators, not that they can do anything about it, but have some hearings and bitch about it. But three, at his news conference today, when he was asked about at least two sheriffs and one police chief saying they won't enforce it, saying, well, you know, priorities in local law enforcement are the local people's decisions, and he's not going to use the state police. And he he pointed out that this uh, mandate, so-called, uh, the first notice is supposed to be a warning, not not a citation. You can't be arrested or jailed for, for doing anything. And uh, he said he really hopes that law enforcement will use this as an educational tool as opposed to strictly an enforcement tool. So it really kind of started sounding like mandate light to me that he just, he hopes this will encourage more people to wear a mask, but he's not really going to get real serious about it, I don't think. He was also asked, for example, about the White House general advice, not to Arkansas specifically, that Perhaps it was time to rethink opening bars and gyms in the light of the growing rate of cases and, and hotspot cases. And he said, well, we've taken a different approach to that. We're enforcing more strictly in bars, but we just think it's better to keep businesses open. He's just so fixated on keeping the money flowing. You know, it, it remains to be seen what happens. I, I think it's possible that more people now will follow the directive, but it, but if they also understand that nobody's going to enforce it, then they won't. In Randolph County and Polk County and Tennessee, why would anybody possibly follow the governor's order if the law enforcement people say they won't enforce it? Yeah, well, uh, after we taped last week, uh, Arkansas Week, the PBS program uh, had on some state health officials, including UAMS Chancellor Cam Patterson, and Patterson really was getting after the governor to do the mass mandate and, uh, and, and may have helped it along. And we also saw Alabama uh, issue a mass mandate, uh, a state even more conservative than Arkansas, probably. 
And then Walmart uh, and Kroger announced countrywide mask requirements for their stores. So those right. all and, are and Target and, and, and CBS also got in it too. I, I think finally he had enough cover to do it, but it, it doesn't satisfy those nuts in Arkansas that just thinks, I don't know what they think. It didn't, it didn't science, whatever it is they think. I, I do think it became very hard with, with Cam Patterson of UAMS and also Joe Thompson of the Center for Health Improvement talking about the, the scientific absolute demand that this be done for him to go up and say we're following the science and we're following the data when scientists are saying something else. So, so w- will this do, but there, there's, so, there's so many other problems, you know. I, I, I hope this moves Arkansas in the right direction. But at the same time, the governor is hell-bent on reopening schools as close to normal as possible. People in Arkansas are just reluctant to say we can't play football this fall, although Hendricks College did. Not that they matter, of course, in the great football scheme of things. And so I just, you know, we've got, I put on the blog today something that I've been stewing on for a while. And you know, there's this huge boat party planned in Lake Hamilton, not tomorrow, but next weekend, not to mention a Trump boat parade on Lake Hamilton. I'm sure it's just going to be a horror show of people getting up close and personal and not wearing masks and swilling beer and doing what you do. And I, you know, I'm not going to say it'll inevitably lead to a bunch of cases, but it, but it's certainly not a behavior you want to see if you want to have fewer cases in your state. Yeah, I, uh, I'll predict that as as we near the opening of schools and colleges, we're going to hear a, a steady drumbeat, especially in in really populous areas in Little Rock and Northwest Arkansas, for the the governor to allow school districts to decide what's best in that area in terms of reopening. And uh, I suspect that the governor, as as he did today, and his press briefing. We'll continue to, to resist and we'll talk about how there's risk in all life and it's important for myriad reasons that we start back to school. But then at the last minute, especially if our case trajectory continues, then we, at least in some places, we will not have in-person school. Right. And, and his disingenuous is really becoming offensive, I think. His message over and over again is, yeah, there's some risk, but we got to get people back in school. And he clearly favors the traditional all the kids in the classroom structure, although he's allowing people to reopen the economy. That's I mean, he's made that clear. Right. Although he's happy to ship off a bunch of money to these profit making virtual charter schools if people want to go that way, because the Waltons love that. And so that's okay too. But but here's the thing. He clearly, he was asked about the fact that the Fayetteville School District looked at the situation and said, well, you know, we cannot socially distance if everybody comes back to class at the same time. So we're going to only have two days of in-class instruction and then three days of -of out-of-class instruction. And half the students will go two days and the other half will go the other two days and Friday will be a day out of class for everybody. Governor was asked about this and he, he clearly indicated to me that he didn't really approve of this but having given the districts the opportunity to have flexibility uh he pretty much had to let them do it and yeah, so the, I, the one thing that the state has not given districts flexibility to do is to offer only online education 
that's uh, right. and, and I think that he it sounded like he he felt like Fayetteville was using a loophole to do that. And by the way, Fayetteville's not alone. Uh, Eastem, the, the the largest public charter system in the state, is doing the same thing or very close to it. Right, and I I mean I think they have room to do it, but it's clearly not what he wants. And and you know and here's the thing, and I thought a Little Rock school group just made a great point today on Facebook. And apart from whatever the merits of their campaign is to force Johnny Key to give them their school district back, which he's not going to do, they attempted to present a petition to the state education department yesterday in the state education department building, deliver this petition to Johnny Key. Well, they weren't allowed to enter the building because of COVID-19. They're not allowing public contact with the closeted office administrators, the Arkansas Education Department, the same people that are telling everybody to go back to school and not to worry, it'll be safe. I mean, this is just bullshit. You know, I mean, there's no other polite way to put it. And we got, I think I shared with you, I got a note today from a teacher in the Pulaski County School District who has this same sort of complaint that all the administrators are telling them what to do about going back to class. And they had a task force to decide on how to plan to go back to school, and they didn't put a single classroom teacher on it. It's all being decided by administrators who have their own private, safe, air-conditioned offices, while the teachers are being thrown like cannon fodder out with classrooms full of kids. I think the, I don't know what the right adjective is for the insensitivity and cluelessness of people like Hutchinson and Johnny Key and school district administrators that don't have the danger that the teachers face from classrooms full of kids who are telling them what's safe for them to do. It's, it's astonishing to me. Yeah. Well, so anyway, I, I, uh, I mean, and, and school boards continue to meet, uh, via zoom while they talk about reopening schools. I will say Charles McNulty, the superintendent of the Pulaski County special school district was on a, KRK town hall on reopening schools and you know school administrators are loath to, to criticize the education department or the governor um, but he said you know I don't see if cases rise how one size fits all approach makes sense so I, I think that you will hear some 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 grumbling at least from from administrators and and teachers it's just overwhelming uh, they, well, teachers they, as teachers they, as older teachers are scared to death and i don't blame them i, I mean i absolutely absolutely don't blame them they're teachers who are talking about quitting teaching and, and at the same time we have school board members popping up all over arkansas mostly on jerkwater school district saying this mass stuff is a hoax they're more dangerous to wear than not to wear i mean the level of ignorance in this state it's not exactly news but it's enormous Okay, well, we could talk about this forever, but let's move on uh, to to a non-COVID topic and talk about the the ballot measures that uh, Secretary of State John Thurston has decided do not meet the qualifications for for being on the ballot. This is the the first year uh, that. Well, I'll just leave it there, and you you can you explain. Well. That. Uh, I think you have to preface it first with a with a, a key court finding, which was the ophthalmologists are trying to refer an act to repeal the legislation that gave optometrists more surgery powers. 
that case went to court. The Supreme Court ordered a special master to review the the challenge to the petition campaign and issue a finding. And that special master, a retired circuit judge, Mark Hewitt, disqualified the bulk of the signatures submitted for the referendum on the law. And the reason he did was a very narrow and very weird reason, I think. The Arkansas legislature has passed all kinds of restrictions to make it very hard to get petitions on the ballot by popular signatures because the Chamber of Commerce likes to control the ballot through the legislature. If they want an amendment, they get the legislature to put it on the ballot. Well, one of the one of the requirements, a lot of the requirements pertain to hiring of paid petition canvassers. They pay people by the piece to gather signatures. And one of the things that required for paid canvassers is they pass a criminal background check. Well, in the case of the IDOC signature, they presented enough signatures gathered by paid signatures. But the special master said some of these signatures were accompanied by an affidavit that they had passed a criminal background check. Some 50,000 of them were accompanied by an affidavit that said criminal background checks had been acquired. He said the statute says you must say that they have passed the background test. Acquired does not mean passed. He disqualified the signatures, made that ineligible for the ballot. Well, except the Supreme Court will be the final word on it, and they haven't yet reviewed that finding. But with that finding as a preface, John Thurston then applied the identical reasoning that acquired is not the same thing as passed to three separate ballot campaigns that had used paid canvassers, a couple of them using the same canvassers, and also had filed the same mixture of attestation of past versus acquired. One of them was for an amendment that would establish a nonpartisan redistricting commission for the legislature and Congress, a great idea for good government. Another one was a, an amendment that would go to an open primary election system with a runoff among top four candidates by ranked choice voting. That's sort of a, a very new and novel idea within partisan primaries. The Republicans hate it because they think it would be a way to perhaps more easily elect a few Democrats. I'm not sure that's true. They actually used the jungle primary to the Republicans' advantage in Louisiana, but that's another issue. And then the third issue was a, a shadowy amendment campaign backed by, we're not entirely sure who, who, except there's a hedge fund investor from Chicago involved, that would allow the establishment of 16 casinos in Arkansas, each one owned by an already established private corporation. Who owns them, we don't know. But so anyway, all of these three people are going to challenge this finding by Thurston and Court. The most interesting thing about this to me is this sort of funny political angle. The IDOC bill... <coughs> is being backed by what has become one of the most powerful political consulting firms in Arkansas, Gilmore Strategies, which is comprised of partners, all of whom used to work for Asa Hutchinson. They are, they are now the most favored nation in political consulting in Arkansas. So you've got, you're going to have four court cases with identical arguments for and against whether these petitions should be approved or not. And one of them enjoys the backing of the political establishment big time, Asa Hutchinson and company. The others are kind of not so much. But so the court is going to is not the court might have to decide this one honestly. That is, and not take political considerations into account. They may yet find a way to do it. I don't really see a way though that they can 
okay one of these one of these petitions and not the other. But they may throw them all out on this this thing. I, I, I I'm not persuaded by the special master's argument and and the backers of the nonpartisan redistricting commission and the open primary. David Cass, the Little Rock Lord, said absolutely did legit background checks on all of his canvassers, whatever they, however they characterized them in the filing. And I, I think it's going to be awful hard to throw them out on that, that uh, one word difference in the affidavits, but, but I'm not the judge of the Supreme Court, but that's my opinion. Will all, will all of the cases immediately go to the Supreme Court or are they challenged in circuit court first or? Well, the, the, the IDOC case is at the Supreme Court, and so that ruling will be critical to the others. Uh, I don't even think the others have filed that are circuit. I, I don't know if they would. This might go direct under the law. A, a challenge on this might, might go direct to the Supreme Court, but I don't think they've. I don't think they've all filed these yet. Not sure. I, I think it might go direct to the Supreme Court. Okay. Uh, well, finally, um, a class action lawsuit was filed today over uh, a, a private contractor in the state's handling of the pandemic unemployment assistance website and the data breach. Pretty, pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. I mean, again, practicing law here without a license. I think there's an open and shut case that there was a security breach. We, we know the state has acknowledged that because of a flaw in the design of this website, the design by Protect Solutions, it was a very simple process for anybody with the least sort of computer skills to see the entire database of 30,000 applicants, their personal information, their bank account numbers, their social security numbers, what have you. I mean, it seems to me that's open and shut, although, although Protect Solutions is not admitting that. Uh, and so we know that much. And they're suing Protect, which is the private vendor, not the state. So there's no sovereign immunity issue that can be argued here. Uh, the lawsuit says that they have one of their plaintiffs who can demonstrate after getting approved for this program and authorizing a transfer of money to her, her debit card account that the money was taken by somebody doing identity theft somewhere else. Now, in a brief response today, Protex says they're not convinced this was a legitimate case of security theft, identity theft. But the second half of this is very interesting is, and it's really been swept under the rug, and it's, it's really terrible. I mean, Protex now finally explains why there are 14,000 people who are still on hold on getting their money. And they're claiming it so that we can have a, a, a full detection of any potential fraud so no money, state money is lost. And Asa Hutchinson said this same thing today and said to people to be patient. Well, these are people who, by every demonstration I've seen, and there are dozens, thousands of them, are legitimately self-employed business people who qualified for these benefits. And then for five and six weeks, they've been waiting for payments they thought they were going to get that aren't coming and their rent's coming due and they can't buy their groceries. And they're just getting screwed. And furthermore, you, they can't get an answer on the phone at the State Workforce Services Division. They can't get through the website. They can't get a straight answer. Even the state has acknowledged some of these supposed flag problems just might be from a missing blank or a typographical error on a, on a address or a phone number. 
th these people aren't on for art fraudsters. There may be some out there, although the state has yet to provide me with an answer to my question of how many cases, if any, of actual fraud have you discovered? But meanwhile, you have thousands of people who are sitting out there steaming and frustrated to beat the band. And the governor says, oh, be patient. And, uh, and, the, and the contractor, who has a $3 million contract, says, oh, well, we've got to guard against fraud, you know. And by the way, their mouthpiece is this same governor's consulting firm, Gilmore Strategies. So they've got the governor on their side protecting their case. And they still want to make, make the public believe this was some malicious hack. Maybe, maybe it was, or maybe it was just a, an opening that was so easy to exploit, it got exploited. But nonetheless, I think it's going to be a hard time winning a lawsuit over a claim of a data breach when pretty clearly there was a data breach. Yeah, I, I wonder, though, how, how difficult it will be to prove in court that the data breach resulted in, in information being compromised and money lost. Well, I mean, you know, immediate, that, that's a good question, and they claim they have one solid case so far. But this lawsuit also makes the point, based on many other lawsuits of this type that have occurred before, that you can't know for sure sometimes for a long period of time who got all that data and how it's being used. I mean, the frauds may not be immediate. They may be sometime in the future. And so you have to guard it. The protect saying, oh, the state has an insurance policy for you guys not to worry. Well, I better hope they got an insurance policy too. Because <laughs> yeah. at a minimum, they've got a lot of court time ahead of them. But you know, Apart from that issue, and we still really don't, I mean, we know there was a death. We know there was a flaw in the security. And, and the lawsuit, the lawyer in this lawsuit, by the way, said the contact required Protect to submit a data security plan to the state as part of the contract. And they asked a lot of that plan, and the state says, well, we can't find that we have such a plan. So either the state lost it or they didn't provide it, which doesn't make your uh, heart leap up at how much faith you should have in this operation. We got some tips this week, too, that there are problems at Workforce Services. The very nice person who handles communications for them apologized to me today for not responding to any questions I've been sending her over the last week and said, we've got a lot of issues going on over here. I think they've had one person leave and there are people sniping that, that problems or a result of people not doing things properly. And I mean, I don't, we don't know the truth yet, but I think on the strength of the fact that we're sitting on millions of dollars that we could be given to thousands of Arkansans and we're not doing it, something bad is wrong. And it's not just enough for people to say, oh, be patient, it's time to get the damn thing fixed. Here, here. All right, well, let's move on to endorsements. What do you got this week? Oh man, do I have anything? Well, I'll, I'll go first while you think about it. Uh, I I think I've mentioned that I've been having my kitchen remodeled, so I've been without a kitchen for weeks and weeks, which has meant eating out a lot. Uh, and I my latest find that I'm really excited about, and I think I'm going to get tonight, is the BLT Special at Lost 40. Uh, they use really thick cut, I think it's Boulevard white bread that's toasted, Barnhill tomatoes. I don't know where the bacon comes from, but it was really good. Thick bacon, plenty of it. Um, good mayo all around. Just excellent sandwich. And I like how their grab-and-go system works. You can order online, put in your tip and everything, and then you show up and there's somebody outside who 
who gives you your stuff. So you don't have to go inside, which I'd rather not do when I'm picking up food. If oh, that's absolutely. That's the only place I go a woman have curbside pickup. So that sounds great. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I had I, I cheer my old friends at Ariana's Pizza in our building where I haven't set foot in our building in 18 weeks, which is kind of unbelievable. But I did finally order a pizza to pick up, and they've got a they've got a curbside pickup lane, and they run it. And I noticed they're letting some people eat inside now, but you have to reserve. I mean, they are strictly observing the social distancing inside. But when you come, you call and tell them I'm there, and they look they're looking for you to come. They bring a guy with gloves brings it out to the car and sticks it through your window. And I still say day in and day out consistency the new york style pizza at ariana is the best in town and they're the hardest working people the the ariana family is the hardest working people i've ever known so i would say give them some business if you get a chance i always give them a hundred percent tip when i go yeah yeah absolutely it's great I'm, i'm rethinking my dinner plans tonight all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe and healthy out there, and we'll be back next week. Oh, some people might be interested to know because he's the most popular man in Arkansas. David Pryor went home from the hospital today. Great news. And, and that's and I endorse that outcome. Yeah. Great guy. He and his wife of 63 years are now at home together, although they're you can't go visit them because they're both still positive, but that's great news. Okay. Well, we'll be back next week. See ya. See ya.